episode of the not the 92 podcast a bit of a different intro this week you may have heard my voice going over the absolute scenes that were the gun degree celebrations from sunday afternoon sussy united have, have finally done it it took them a while but after a fantastic run in the final few weeks in the national league season they've secured promotion in their for the first time in their 123 year history a truly remarkable achievement and it was an honor for myself and Tom to have been present for that stunning occasion uh we were left speechless by that and trust me we're still to this very moment still living through it in our heads it's so it's history in the making and to have been there to witness it was a true honor and a privilege and we thank Sutton United for that but the podcast is not it's not just going to be you know, all about the wonderful achievement of Matt Gray's side and the, the stunning run they went on at the end of the season, as well as the challenges that come with, the, with having the season as it has been this year. We're also going to talk about the wonderful successes of Warrington Riders and uh, of AFC Hornchurch, who secured their wonderful success in the FA Trophy and Vars, respectively. We're also going to cover the rest of the National League and news in relation to non-league as well. But before I get onto it, Tom Mitchell, as always, is with us. And as I said, he shared that fantastic afternoon with us. Uh, I got a great lay. And Tom, I think like me, you haven't gotten over it either. Oh, it's, uh, it's an afternoon that Sunday United fans have waited for, you know, 123 years. Obviously, uh, you know, there's, there's Sutton fans who've been watching them from the very early days who obviously uh, won't be with us anymore. But they would have been looking up from the sky so proud and... Uh, it was just an incredible occasion, and for the Sutton team to to step up the way they did, you know, under the pressure of having the opportunity to to win the league, it was just re- remarkable. And I think it's just sinking in, not just for the fans, but you see for for the players of of the club, um, like w- they've created history. They are legends of the football club now. They are the pioneers of the the first set of players to take Sutton up. To the football league, and Matt Gray is the first ever manager. And you know, was a, he put up a tweet very late last night. Um, yeah, just simply good night uh, with a nice glass of uh, white wine and the National League trophy, which of course Craig Eastman lifted uh, at the weekend, which of course you heard in the intro. So, incredible weekend of football, and of course, the playoff race, more excellent twists. Uh, in, in that as well and that, that's, that's heating up and going into final day so we get more into that and how can you forget as well you know the non-league finals day on, on Saturday afternoon two stunning games so we'll get more into that as well so it's going to be a, a great episode of a certainly a top weekend of non-league football Truly really remarkable stuff we're going to delve into it, as Tom says even more in a few moments but we uh, we didn't put them in the intro this week because of the sheer achievement of Sutton United. So, so our friends up in Scotland, Moon Party, for their usual intro, Stranger Living in My Head, that was what you're used to hearing at the beginning of our podcasts. 
well, we've decided just this week, let them let them have a rest. We'll get them back on if you're used to the wonderful tune next week. And Farley Sports, wonderful sponsors of the of the show as well, who provide excellent non-league kits and attire to many a club uh, at any level. And uh, I highly suggest you have a, a gander over at their website and their Twitter feed or Instagram feed too to see what they can offer you if you're a big fan of your club or maybe nudge your own little chairman to get them to provide your kits and, and stuff for next season because I'm sure they'd be great choice. Trust me, they're a fantastic bunch over there. Uh, and as always, if you are looking to get involved in the show, uh, we always plead you to, no matter in what form, in what way, Twitter and Instagram, NT92Pod, and, uh, is, and our email as well, which is podcast.not92.com. You can give us your thoughts and, and questions on the show itself and anything you'd like for us to talk about. And we try to cover everything we can non-league-wise. Well, we can't catch up with everything. So much we can only fit into a small space of time. But we must begin with the main news this week. What a fantastic achievement for Matt Gray, for everyone at Sutton United. It has pretty much been... A, it's the fairy tale story of all fairy tale stories. After 123 years in existence and a fair number of FA Cup surprises, which are probably their, probably the highlights of their history in, their, in football, in any level, let alone non-league level, Today, we, we sit here, me and Tom recording this, having sat, having just 48 or 48, 72 hours ago, feels a long while, it feels so close even still, two days after what it happened. But we're still getting over what a, what a day it was at Camden Relay to witness Sutton United achieving the impossible dream, the promised land I called it. And I, I'm joined... Uh, the Football League as the 147th club, subjective obviously to various other clubs making decisions to switch locations or what have you. To join the league in the circumstances that they have in the cop in the season that they have had, in the circumstances we are in as well, and for most importantly to do it in front of the fans who've stuck by them throughout the season, a truly remarkable achievement. Um, we played that little snippet at the beginning of the show because it captured how I felt that occasion was for, not just for me, but I'm pretty sure for everyone around me. I'm, I can't, Tom, for the life of me, get over it. So you were there too, and I can't, for the, I, I can't still take away anything, like, anything from that experience that says to me, I will forget this. This is something that will stay living the memories of many a fan, not only of Sutton, but of many who followed the journey this season. Yeah, and everyone at Sutton must have been uh, feeling like they were living a dream that day. It was, it was just incredible. And as I said at the start, the way the team handled the pressure, and they did last week as well, you know, people were tagging the main and the Hartlepool games, right, Sutton, they're going to slip up in them, surely. And to pick up 3-0 wins... Uh, in each of those games, just uh, s simply outstanding and a testament to the job that, that Matt Gray's done this season. That the, the effort that the players are putting, that they were, you know, after Craig Eastman gave away that late penalty at Meadow Lane and it was dispatched by Room Rodriguez and Tor it was in Torquay's hands, and people were thinking Sutton ran out of gas and he managed just to find that little extra. And then they had that little extra on Sunday as well with the fans back. It felt like a, a fairy tale and 
you know, when Rob Milsom scored that free kick, 10 minutes um, before half-time, just the, there was a huge relief around the stadium. It was a very competitive, I'd say, cagey 35 minutes. It was, it was some, some good play. But you could tell both teams had a lot on the line. You can't forget, obviously, Hartlepool um, had a, a lot to play for as well for, for third spot. But you know, when that Milsom free kick trickled in, it, it, was, it was halfway there. And then, obviously, it was the big... Uh, Big decision made that it was handball against Armstrong. Dave Chandler strongly disagreed in his post-match interview. But if you do go and watch it back, um, it was actually a handball against the, the Hartlepool forward Armstrong who bundled it in the net. And that, that split second, something fans must be thinking, oh no, is this the moment where is this our title challenge possibly going to fall apart and it going down to the final day? And then will we mess up on the final day. I know what goes through fans' minds. It's, it's not just what's going on at that moment. It's thinking the repercussions of it. But thankfully for, for, for Sutton United, the, the flag went up against Hartlepool. And you need those little bits uh, of luck to go your way. But in, in fairness, Sutton's win was not lucky at all. They were had some excellent dominant spells and just took control that second half. And, you know, when that corner fell to Louis John, he just prodded it home. It felt like an age that, that, that trickling into the net. And I think that was the moment for me where I thought Sutton are going to do it. I just felt that was that was the moment. I think that's the goal, in my opinion, that's going to be played over and over again for years to come. That was that was the one where I thought, this is it. Sutton United are going to be in the Football League. And Isaac Alafe, who's had an incredible season. Um, again, what a coup it was from from Matt to bring him in on a, on a second loan, obviously after being pressed uh, in uh, the, the, what, the last month of, of last season on loan. And he's just been simply outstanding, as a, as have all the team. And they deserve it. They deserve to be legends. It, it was their time. Um, you know, they've worked so hard this season. They deserved all the love at the end. And it was so nice. And everyone wanted a picture with them. And it was it was so special for everyone, all the directors at the club as well, who've seen a lot of ups and downs, including obviously likes of the chairman, Bruce Elliott. Um, and even, do you know what, even Matt, in, in his short period of time he saw that the tough times that Paul Doswell brought him in was going through and, and Matt knew it was a big job to take on and if you remember at the start for, for him it, it wasn't great um, you know he was sitting 23rd in the league in November um, you know in 2019 and Sutton just kept on losing it was an awful period sort of that October to November last season for Sutton but Sutton pulled it round you know, Matt brought it, brought Louis John back to the club, and obviously look what he did uh, on Sunday and in what he's done for all the season. He's been a goal scoring machine this month for Sutton. He's been one of the many key figures in the, in the Sutton squad. So, yeah, ev- everyone deserves their moment. Everyone's worked so hard, and just a remarkable achievement. I think people on the outside looking in, I don't think realize how massive this is. Look at the team Sutton are competing with in in that top seven in that top region nationally and the budget Sutton have got, they've really had to work probably a little bit harder than, than most. And that's not obviously anything against the teams that are up there, have a bigger budget, they obviously still work very hard. But the size of Sutton, you feel like you look at that name, you look, they look like they're up against it at the top. But they've, little old Sutton, not little old Sutton anymore, they, they've held their own and they've won the National League. And congratulations because it's been thoroughly deserved. And what a tussle it's been between Sutton Torquay as well. It's been a thoroughly enjoyable National League tight race. And of course, the likes of Stockport and Hartlepool, they played their part as well. Sutton have had to work extremely hard to get to this point and achieve what they did on Sunday afternoon. 
Absolutely incredible. As Tom described it eloquently as well, he, I'm sure, like many, will have shared the and echo the many thoughts of some fans that were not only there on the day, but were watching on BT Sport when the when the trophy was lifted by Craig Eastman. And there, the story of the game, he also summed up brilliantly. Sutton weren't all that bad. And I think they have a bit of luck at the start, but in the end, killed it off after even after the controversial moment that Luke Armstrong had in the, for Hartlepool. It will still be the neck is Dave Chandler's crawl, that's for sure, because I'm sure he'll have to... You have to reflect on it as his side try and chase the semi-final game, especially with it being a home tie. If he finished second or third, he will he will hope that it will not be a defining moment in their season. But just for Sasson to achieve this is truly remarkable. They went on winning seven in the last seven. They won the final six, six of the in the last seven final games. Terrific achievement. They've been so good this season and they've had blips, but they've not lost two in a row. They've never been. Uh, beat, they haven't been beaten often by more than the odd goal. The only time they have been beaten convincingly was a 4-0 tonking by Wrexham way back in November. But even then, it was early on in the campaign and a lot to be reflected on. Another point Tom raised up was November 2019. They went away to Torquay United, obviously, as Tom mentioned, in the relegation zone. And Matt had only been in the job, like, full-time as, uh, as manager after Paul Doswell's announced his departure. He'd only been in the job for the best part of four to five months and has started, you know, tweaking with the team, trying to find the right formula and encourage the side to, you know, play the best football they could. And they struggled in that first third of the 1920 season. Uh, we weren't obviously, apart of the podcast, we weren't uh, around then, but we certainly were around looking, watch, looking and watching what they were doing, trying to, this new project, this new... Uh, venture that Sutton were going on trying to, you know, make up the make their way up the leagues, and they brought in signings like Hachiboya, like Omar Bugil, Ben Goodliff, um, and and Co, who all today still at the club now, who have all played a huge part. John Barden, I can't ignore him. They all played a, a huge role in growing this team and learning along the way the 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 sort of demands that Matt puts on them. In the end, this fantastic moment at Torquay where they went, came back, came up and won 2-1. In a very difficult match, it was a cold day in November. I think I was near my birthday, if I remember correctly. And they performed so well. Uh, David Adjiboy scored the opening goal. They, ben Winter equalised near midway into the first half. But Sutton didn't give up. And Zanev... I think Zanev had come in, he had a, a low from Wimbledon, he had a stunning game, a remarkable performance on that day, it was his first game as well. Louis John, it was his first appearance back as well for Sutton uh, after a spell in League Two, so he's got league experience as well, going back up there. Um, he's, he's a, there was a great goal from Harry Beatman to win the game, he's done it in, in, in League as well. Craig Eastman, a long-time stalwart at Sutton now, his best part of five or so years, he's probably... Is excited as anyone to get uh, back up to professional level and test himself against some very good sides in League Two. Those, all those players combined, I think that particular day at Plainmore was the start of what basically was the incredible run that they've been on. There's a table, if I remember correctly, where Sutton, after they lot beat uh, Torquay, didn't really lose many games. They lost past four or so matches between the. 
time they won at Torquay and the time the pandemic curtailed the season and they couldn't finish obviously what looks like a what was looking like a strong finish to a very difficult season. They came back and in this season, they this current season that they're about to finish, they've been so good. They started with a 3 win against Maidenhead. They won the title with a 3 win against Hartlepool, who were a little while ago contenders for the league title. They, they kept the core of that side that was so strong at the end of last season. And it just seemed that the jigsaw puzzle, was, which they were trying to create or complete, was getting finished a lot faster than you'd think it would, than you would normally expect it to be. Some clubs come down from the National League and start preparing for the life there, thinking it's going to last years or so. Some have only been in that division for five years. They got promotion from the National League South in 2016. And still, players then who took part, the, like Eastman and, um, and, and now Jamie Collins on the coaching staff, have have all still remained there, and there's so much in there about love about this. I love about the club that I enjoy seeing on a weekly basis. That we talk about on a weekly basis. That they've earned the status of being a member. Not no longer not the ninety two. They are ninety two now, but <laughs> they have earned this status on great football on some truly wonderful characters and some fantastic people, not only on the pitch, but those who do the hard work off and the chairman, Bruce Elliott and uh, Adrian Barry, uh, the, Jason Gulliff, his second, the right-hand man to Matt Gray, who's done all the hard defensive work. He's such an expert player. He's learned his hard grafting in the league as well to be able to provide such a, a good, uh, you know, a good wingman for Matt to be able to build his ideas and his philosophy on he's picked the right man in Jason Goodliffe is truly remarkable and the achievement there they're all going on together it's a it's a, a community effort as well it's not just the players and the fans and the people around it's everyone in Sutton who have followed the club through the hard times especially on the time they were in the FA Cup as far as the as far as they did against Arsenal beating Leeds on the way then I guess Cheltenham and Wimbledon oh I could kick we could talk all day but a truly remarkable achievement to see off Hartlepool to win the National League and earn their right as a football league club. And one thing to show, like we followed Harrogate and Barrow this season, we'll try and we'll follow Sutton on their journey next season as well. Before we move on, it's only right you hear from the people involved in the wonderful occasion. We've managed to get exclusive uh, sound bites from uh, our friends over at Sutton United uh, for the for that wonderful afternoon at Gander Green Lake. We start, of course, with the manager who I'm sure had. So, as, as you can probably hear, has plenty to smile about. Feels unbelievable, Tony. I'm so pleased. I'm so pleased with so many, so many people at the club. Um, I've been here two years or two and a half years, and I've felt a, a real affinity to the club and so many good people here. You know, Paul Doswell bring me to the club and the 11 years that he's brought success and, and the foundations that he gave me, along with Ian Baird, and the help that they did uh, integrate me into the job. Um, Bruce, AB. The whole board, um, you know, really sad to, to uh, lose Brian Williams this season, and, and you know, certainly a, a big result for him today. And I was thinking thinking of him before the game and during the game actually, and I'm, I'm really pleased we managed to do it for him today as well. Um, the staff, the players, you guys, 
the fans. <laughs> I'm trying to think of everyone because everyone is together on this and I'm just so pleased for everyone connected to the club. Nan, now you're here from Bruce Elliott. He's been at the club just as long as anyone and he's seen the incredible uh, project through. And like Matt, he's quite stunned that they've made it, but is excited at the prospect of being in the Football League for the very first time. No, I think we're still all pinching ourselves, aren't we, as to the fact that we've done it and we, we're champions of a league that is traditionally tough to get out of and um, we're surrounded by just football ex-Football League clubs and so it's an unbelievable achievement for Matt and the players and uh, it's just been a little bit of a shame that such an unbelievable season on the pitch has uh, not had supporters in, but it was nice to have them back in today. So you've heard from two of the key figures at uh, Sussex United. We're, we're so happy for them, uh, myself and Tom, and we hope now that they kick on in, in Football League 2. Speaking of which, now that they've done it, Tom, very, I know it's early doors, but they've got so much to prepare for. They've got so much to sort out for this few couple of months before... August the 7th is when the season is about is set to start. And it's a very tricky season. The same, it's the same amount of games as any. It's 46 matches. But they've got two new competitions. They're in the first round of the FA Cup now, so they don't have to worry about the preliminary shenanigans that they've been dealing with the last couple of seasons. And I think my back grant's a huge sigh of relief. What, uh, what for you is going to be the exciting element of seeing them in the Football League next year? I think, you know, for the fact that it's an unknown completely, no one has ever seen this. So I think for, for Sutton United, what what's going to be great as well is visiting so many new grounds. And, and for, you know, also for, for these players, some of them being rejected by football league clubs and have had to come back down, you know, to the non-league. And, and with Sutton United, they've been able to build themselves back up and for them to get the opportunity to play again as well, I, I can't wait to see that. Matt's first season um, ever as a Football League manager and obviously this is his first ever job, just shows even more how remarkable uh, this achievement is. Not for, for Sutton United being promoted to Football League in the first time in the 123-year history, but for Matt Cray as well in his first ever job, it's just... Incredible. So I'm looking forward to seeing how, how Matt's uh, Matt's going to do. And there's a lot of work to do over the summer. Um, obviously, it's going to be it's going to be sad to see the 3G pitch go. I'll give my thoughts on this podcast. So I'm pro 3G pitches. Though I actually, so personally, I prefer grass pitches. But I'm I'm more than happy. I, I certainly one of the people who accepts 3G pitches. And I've also seen the benefits it's had um, for for the community and. You know, look at the way the kids' teams and the youth teams use it, and the first team use it to train on as well, so they get really used to that pitch. And maybe some people think that that's an advantage, but I, it's just part and parcel of you know having a having a, a really good pitch like that. And some have had great great times on it. You know, when they got it in 2015, that's when a lot of success came. So it's going to be sad to to go and have got to put in the new grass pitch. And you know, maybe for some, maybe for some Sutton fans, might be happy to see grass pitches back but it's good it's going to be a task to maintain it. i remember when sutton did have a grass pitch and there was tough moments but i do believe the club already um obviously look at how sutton are going to strengthen on the pitch uh, i would say first of all i mean i don't know who matt gray's gonna target um but what i will say is if you look at people already associate with the club um on loan isaac laffey is obviously an obvious one gary rowett said he wants isaac to go to football league club 
Hello, Sutton United. He's been out for what a year, a year and a half now. That is the perfect place um, to go and spend a second full uh, loan season there. Um, get that experience in the football league now with a team that he's he's just bedded into perfectly and knows everyone so well. And also Donovan Wilson, you know, yeah, I think really getting that firepower, firepower up front. You know, Bath are going to demand, um, uh, you know, quite a big fee for him for, for obviously for a club like Sutton United, but so they should. Bath, Bath have, you know, more more than every right to to, to do that. Um, he's been extremely good for Sutton United and the movement he has up front, I, I could see him causing football league defences so many problems and he's got everything as a player he can set up goals and he can link up the play and obviously he's got that great finish on him as well inside but outside the box as well you've seen so certainly I think Alaphane Wilson will be early targets uh, for, for Matt Gray and then we'll see who else uh, he brings in so that's just going to be so exciting can the green lane as a football league ground who would have thought that all those Absolutely. years ago I, I don't think anyone probably, probably people you know probably am probably wouldn't have heard of Sutton, you know, so many years ago and or probably may have remembered them slightly, the older generation may have them slightly, you know, for play, beating Coventry 2 on that time. But in a league sense, you know, um, no one's really known Sutton United for, for many years, you know, to, to the wider public. And now here Sutton United are uh, part of the 92. So uh, it's going to be so exciting to see. And it's, it's going to be one hell of a journey. I don't know where... It's something like they're going to be taken next by this incredible manager and set of players. But I think it's exciting times ahead. It's, is it going to be a challenge? Most certainly. Is there going to be some tough moments next season? Most certainly. But I believe looking at this team and, and the manager and the whole setup of the club, there's, they're resilient. They'll, they can take the tough times and build on them to make themselves stronger. And I believe Sutton could really make a fist of it in the in, in League Two. And I, I'm really interested to see what they do over the summer, see how... They're going to prepare to, to, to you know, to get on next season in in League Two. Other, I think it's, it's going to be exciting to see how it how it all blossoms and how it all p- plays out. And I, for one, can't wait. Terrific achievement, and as as and Tom are probably waxing lyrical about already. It's even though Sunday when we record this is a Tuesday night evening, but. Sunday was only just a couple of days ago. We still haven't gotten over it. And I think a lot of Sutton fans are still quite hungover from the celebrations as well on that wonderful evening. So a massive, massive congratulations from everyone here on the 92 to Sutton United for the incredible history-making promotion to the Football League. And as I said, we will follow every step of the way with them next season, along with whoever follows them up from the National League. And what's the sure it's not the last you're going to hear from us. We're going to keep updating you on their progress around Gander Green Lane as we have thankfully got some nice access from them this season. So we'll give you some, uh, some more good news on what their progress and what they aim to do in the next few weeks regarding the the, the pitch, because they're still trending on it this week. They have one more game left, which we'll cover shortly, the final weekend of the National League season, which is plenty of drama in it as well. But there'll be, <laughs> there'll be a few uh, sore heads, I'm sure, uh, as they start trading this week for the game against Barnet this weekend, who I'm sure they've got plenty to thank them for. Because of that result against Torquay United, which, as Tom has alluded to, helped Sutton secure promotion. So it might be a bit of a, a testimonial sort of feeling at the Hive on Saturday. So let's now dig our, our teeth into the rest of the National League. And while the title is now secured and we have found out who is going to be taking their place in League Two next season, 
We now need to find out who will find take the seven spots that require the National League to fight to hand another trophy in a promotion title in Bristol on June the 19th. Uh, this year, obviously, not the customary Wembley because we have the European Championships there this year. And with England having the entire time to frolic themselves around the Wembley pitch for a little while, this is quite a big occasion for the National League. Because at the moment, there are six, six established clubs chasing their spot for chasing a spot in the final run, running uh, in June. So this Saturday is the final weekend of the season. We would normally make 46 games, but with two teams obviously having their results exponentially in Dover and Macclesfield never ever getting underway, we only have 42 games this season. But with this final weekend coming up, there is still so much at stake. And I, for one, I think me and Tom, for one, can't be excited enough. Right now, the table is as follows. Sardar so are champions. They are five points clear of Torquay United, who are now second and will have a home semi-final in the playoffs. Stockport cannot catch them, so they are five as they are five points behind them as well. So that game, so that race for a one of the home semi-final spots in the elimination stages has been completed. It's now a straight fight for third place between Stockport and Hartlepool. Stockport drew with Woking on Saturday afternoon, giving Hartlepool, had they beaten Sutton, a chance to overtake them and have a leverage on the final day of the season for a chance of being in the elimination playoff race. But with that defeat at Gandagree Lane, it means now that they are with it still a point behind Stockport County. And Stockport have also got the superior goal difference. So even if they lose and Hartlepool pick up a point at home to Weymouth, that's not enough for Hartlepool to overtake them in the, nas- in the National League elimination hunt. So they, were, they are currently fourth. Three points behind them are Notts County, who've practically secured their space in the National League playoffs after of what has been a a relatively good run from Ian Birchall's side following victory against Sutton, which pretty much defined their season after he, when he joined the the, uh, the role at Meadow Lane. They struggled a little bit and epitomised by defeats in four straight, de- four defeats in five to Hartlepool, Solihull, Eastley and twice, in fact, to Eastley. And then Torquay United picking up a point against them as well as Altrincham. That victory against Sutton kept their p- playoff hopes alive and since then, they haven't lost. They've, been, they've won their five of the last six. Last week, a win away at Wrexham. We mentioned to you that fans were back in the ground. There were no fans at Wrexham, which was a very sad thing, to be honest. But still, Notts County went away, from, went away there and picked up three points. They secured their playoff status with a win against Weymouth on Saturday by three goals to nil. So they cannot be caught as they are four points clear of Bromley. They are safe and can... We'll just have to find out where they finish now. They can't finish third because they're four points by a stop port. So it then is basically the race for sixth and seventh. There's so much on the line on this final day. And Tom, for me, I think we, we're in for quite a surprise. The permutations are almost incredible. So before Ahmed gives you a rundown of the final day showdowns, I'm going to let you all know on what the standings look like going into the final day in the playoff picture. Can I firstly congratulate Notts County on securing a playoff spot. They just need a point on a final day to secure fifth spot. Now onto the juicy stuff. The five teams battling it out to get into the sixth and seventh spots. Kicking it off with Wrexham who beat Kingsland 5-3 at the race course ground at the weekend. Uh, so on 67 points with a goal difference of plus 21. If Notts County lose and Wrexham win, they actually do get into the top five. So there's a little incentive there for them. 
Um, but I'm sure they'll be looking uh, more downwards uh, than upwards, to be honest, uh, Wrexham. So now there's a trio of teams on 66 points, starting with Chesterfield, who came from behind to beat Dagenham Redbridge 2-1 on Saturday with a double from Danny Rowe, one of them from the penalty spot, and Dagenham were down to 10 men as well. So their goal difference is plus 16. Next, we have Eastleigh, who missed the chance to move into the top six um, when they drew 1-1 at Ultram on Tuesday evening after beating Bournemouth 1-0 uh, at home at the weekend. Uh, their goal difference is plus 11. Lastly, to make up the trio, we have Bromley, who beat Aldershot 3-2 away from home in their last match. Uh, their goal difference is plus 9. And lastly, making up the playoff fight, uh, we have Halifax Town on 65 points in 10th spot with a goal difference of Plus 10. This weekend, the playoff chasing teams have some contrasting fixtures and tough matches to, to take part in. Notts County hosts Bromley. Bromley, oh, wait to Bromley, sorry. They, in the reverse fixture, the game ended 2-2. So, Bromley have an idea of what it's like to play against Ian Birchnell's side already. But, Birchnell has his, has his team already in the playoffs. So, Bromley will be hoping he turns up with somewhat of a different team to the one he's been playing in the last few weeks if they are to get a spot in the top seven. Wrexham played Dagenham and Redbridge away from home, and that's on BT Sports. So there's some pressure being put on McReynolds' team. That is RR McReynolds' team. They are the obvious Hollywood owners of the club, having promised a promotion bonus if they make it. And they did kind of tweet to Sutton United when they secured their title this week. Well done, Sutton. We'll see you on the way up to League Two. So some big... <laughs> there's a big... Calls from uh, over in Wales, and it wouldn't be too bad if they made it, especially with the investment the two uh, two Hollywood stars have made this season. Solihull played easily on the final day as well. Lots riding on that game at, uh, against Solihull Moors at Damson Park, and obviously, what well, pretty much is the big game of the day: Halifax against Chesterfield. Chesterfield in seventh against Halifax in tenth, and there is a point separating the two. Halifax probably the one, the team with the worst form heading into this final day of the season, trying to sneak in at the last hurdle. Tom, who in your eyes do you see making it into this really exciting playoff race? So, Ahmed, who do I think is going to get into playoffs? I think Eastleigh are going to get sixth. They'll win at Solly on Moors. I think Wrexham will draw away at Dagenham Redbridge. I think Notts County will win at Bromley on superb form at the moment. Ian Birchnell's talked about uh, they need the momentum going into playoffs. They want to carry it on and I, I think they will. I think it'll be heartache for Bromley missing out. So, we have Chesterfield away at Halifax Town. So, as it stands, the way I think it's going to go, the winner of that game will get in to the playoffs and I think it'll be neither of them I think they'll both play out a high scoring draw and it'll be disappointment for both of them and relief for Wrexham I'm going to say Eastleigh we'll, we'll get in and Wrexham 
because I just think Wrexham have probably the most to lose. It's harsh on Chesterfield because Chesterfield have played so well this season and have been uh, at times incredible to watch. They had a great home run in, in the season before Sutton went over there and ended it uh, earlier on on their way to making, on the way up to first position. Uh, they have been peerless at home and I just don't know how, how, um, how, uh, how, how they can go to Halifax, who've also got something to play for. It's a, it's a high-stakes game. It's, there's so much on that game against Halifax. And likewise, like Chesterfield, they'll need a bit of luck. They'll need to beat Chesterfield to end their own their hopes while praying that Eastley and Bromley slip up as well. But I just see Wrexham going over Stagenham and turning up for this one, just one more time. Before start and building momentum before this playoff race, because with this takeover uh, that they've had this uh, with McReynolds taking over and their intent and the run they've been on a source, they've won three of the last four. They lost obviously to Notts County last week, which I'm sure would have helped them in trying to cement their uh, place in the playoffs. They still went on and put a fantastic performance on against uh, Kings Lynn, and if they needed an excuse to to prove to the fans that, you know, we are not going to just be National League forever. I do think they can make it this season. If not, I'm already going to tip them to be a side that challenges for the title next season, just based on the heavy investment that is being put in by McReynolds. And you can't, you just, while I see that the competition next year will be equally as intense as it has been this season, I think now more than ever, now more than ever, it's going to be incredibly difficult for Wrexham to miss out on this on this race for promotion. If they don't make it, they'll be in the promotion hunt next season. That's my gut feeling. If they make it, it's going to be an exciting race for a promotion. I can guarantee it. But my neck, I put my neck on the line. Eastley, Wrexham in the final two spots on the final day of the season. You can see it's hard for us. And we've watched so much National League football this season. It's as hard for us as it has been watching that promotion race. So to see how it ends up on the final day, oh, well, we just hope that it's entertaining. We hope that it's, you know, it spoils us to, to the core. Um, and also that we wish every one of those sides the best of luck in their respective games. We hope that it's going to be a really enthralling weekend that comes up. On Saturday, Altrincham play Torquay United. I'm not going to be surprised if Torquay sack it off and rest a number of players for the playoffs because really there's not much for them to play for on this weekend. The champions will go to Barnet and as I mentioned, Guard of Honour will be preparing for them and the Barnet fans, I'm sure, will be very respectful as they have done the favour for Sutton to give them the title. So there'll be some keen followers there who'll be welcoming them to the high. I'm sure they'll, they'll want to one-up them just as a measure of, you know, we did the favour for you, so you kind of got to treat us with a bit of respect today. Uh, we hope that next season is a bit more fruitful for them. Forward against Badenhead, Bromley, Knox County, Duncan and Redbridge versus Wrexham, Halifax, Chesterfield, uh, Solihull, Eastley, all of those, all four of those games have so much riding on that playoff race. And I urge you, if you're keep, if you're a fan of those of those clubs, whatever you hold on tight to, you hang on to it because it's going to be a roller coaster uh, on Saturday lunchtime. Uh, and other matches in the, on the final day of the weekend, we have Kingsley against Aldershot, Woking against Wilston. It's 
two of the not so good sides. And again, it's the learning curve for some of these sides, uh, like working like Wilson, Kingsley, and Barnett for next season. Weymouth as well, a great achievement for them. They play Hartlepool as well, I should not forget that. Um, all of these sides have a lot of learning to do because this season there's no relegation. So while they'll still finish bottom of the league, there's so much for them to improve on in the summer. Again, cover it on the night too. Uh, working Wilston, Yeovil, Stockport and Hartlepool, Weymouth, all of those matches are being played on the final day along with the craziness that is the, <laughs> that is the playoff race. And we'll give you once more another fantastic review of that next week on the night too when we will do our review of the season, which... We've covered in ex exponential value this year. A fantastic season it has been. So please do tune in next week for our, what our, our thoughts on what's been a fantastic 2020-21 National League. Uh, we'll give you more of our thoughts, obviously, on what's happened in the North and the South and then all other stuff as well. Of course, the National League was the probably one of the biggest stories of the weekend with the success of Sussex United and their fantastic title win at home to Hartlepool. But there were two more finals to be determined as to who would win uh, non two of non-league's biggest trophies, the FA Vars and the FA Trophy. Finals were held at Wembley this weekend in front of fans, which is fun, wonderful to see. And I, I was there in person doing matchday uh, match duties for the FA. A fantastic occasion as, uh, as I was so glad to be there to see the fans of Binfield, Warrington, Rylands, Hornchurch and Hereford. Hereford was their fifth, fifth visit to Wembley and only their second in five years. They, di they did... Oh. The last time they were at Wembley was, uh, let's just say, Borpeth Town will still want to remember that one quite well. But they've not been there for five years. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of thrills and spills. We've actually managed, thankfully, to... Uh, acquire some wonderful match day uh, experience uh, listening for you. For the next few minutes, you're going to hear our a friend of ours, Connor Reed, who normally is a women's football commentator, but has recently been given a chance to cover the National League, uh, National League this season, as well as the fantastic run to the finals for most of these clubs in the FA Vars and FA Trophy. On Saturday, he was at Wembley. He did commentary duties for the FA as well. So, very quickly, I'll explain what he does. He talk, he does the talking on the audio description with headsets for those who can't see. He's managed to do a wonderful thing and document his experience. So hopefully you enjoy it. And here is Connor on what is a wonderful day for two of non-league's finest clubs. It is 11am and I am inside Wembley Stadium. And as I look across onto the pitch, I can see both Binfield FC in their dark blue kit. Uh, training kit and on the right hand side we have the Warrington Rylands. Now Warrington Rylands are currently playing in the Northwest Counties League Premier Division. However, due to the newly updated Step 1 to 5 system in the FA and certain teams getting uh, voluntary promotions as well as voluntary, voluntary relegations and some promotions awarded on merit. Binfield are one of those teams who have been pushed up into Step 3. Warrington Rylands, I believe, are remaining in step four for the time being. Um, but maybe an FA Vars trophy will do them a world of good. Um, I thought I'd just give you a little bit of uh, context and history about the fixture before we get underway soon. Uh, Binfield, they are known as the Moles. It's a small town in Bracknell. And, uh, well, they are 
incredibly popular in their small area. Uh, I was reading on the news that everybody in Binfield has been uh, putting the bunting up and supporting them in preparations for today's game. They have two managers, a man called Carl Withers and his joint manager, who's also a midfielder for the team, Jamie McClurg. He actually took a penalty in the penalty shootout win against uh, Union Services of Portsmouth in a 4-3 penalty victory. And Chris Gray saved the winning penalty to make all of the difference in that game. Um, wouldn't be the first time Binfield have won a non-league cup before. They are winners of the 2012 and 2018 Floodlit Cup. Uh, they are currently playing in the Hellenic League Premier Division. Their chairman is a man called Bob Bacon. And their former manager, Roger Herridge, left the club after nearly seven years. And Binfield have had quite an interesting road to the final. Every single game they've played from the second round to the semi-final has been away from home. And technically, based on the way that the, uh, the lettering is done, Binfield are the home side in Wembley Stadium. But it's the Rylands, also known as the Blues, who have had a slightly longer trip. Thank you very much. And they seem to have quite a full squad for the occasion, interestingly enough. Uh, they've beaten current last year's FA Vars finalists, Heaven Town 1-0 in the quarterfinals, before seeing off Walsall Wood at home. Uh, they've played the likes of Jarrow FC, Paddyham, Longridge, Shildon, West Auckland Town. And... Um, we will soon be getting underway with all the pre-match festivities and I'll try and keep you updated with my opinions on the game and how everything goes. But yeah, that's my first little opening foray for you. It is half-time at Wembley Stadium and what a first half for the FA Vars, I must say. Um, the Moles Binfield started off in the ascendancy. Lots of long balls looking for Liam Ferdinand, who was... Had some really nice hold-up play throughout that first half. A few times they tried progressing the full-backs forward, getting... They managed to win about five or six corners in that first half, Binfield, but never really did anything from it. And uh, they were leaving themselves a little bit open at the back, so when Rylands came in with the long balls, they looked dangerous. And when they managed to get a player on it, running through on goal, uh, they looked dangerous, and that's exactly what happened. They went wide down the right-hand side. The ball got crossed in uh, by Kane Drummond, and it ended up coming to, I believe, uh, Joseph Coveney, who headed it across. And on the half volley, Elliot Nevitt just finishes really nicely, hits it back down onto the ground, and it bounces into the far right of the goal. And the goalkeeper really has just no idea what he's, uh, he's doing and there's nothing he could do to stop that um, I must say 2,400 fans it feels like there's 10 times more uh, the noise, the, the reactions the fans, it's absolutely fantastic being at Wembley um, and seeing just how happy everyone is to be there and the celebrations, it's just superb right Binfield went back on the attack to try and get an equaliser and it was an amazing counter-attack, actually. Uh, Warrington were in the ascendancy, but Binfield nicked the ball off it, switched the ball across goal, 
over to the captain, Sean Moore. And he runs across the left-hand side, maybe makes about 40 yards in distance. Does then does a nice bit of footwork, gets past the Ryland's captain, Gary Kenny, puts a ball in with his left foot. And then the man who has been winning every header that's gone sent his way, Liam Ferdinand, gets his first goal at Wembley and heads it into the bottom right corner. It's a really, really nice goal, and it really got the Binfield fans excited. But then 10, 15 seconds later, Warrington goes straight down the other end and they win a penalty. It was um, Stephen Milne who was fouled. Or it was, it was Stephen Milne or Charlie Doyle, I'm sorry. And um, he was fouled by uh, Liam Gavin, who really was left there with egg on his face. And then Elliot Nevitt managed to get himself his second. So he's on a hat-trick. Imagine that, a hat-trick at Wembley for Warrington Rylands in the FA Vars. What an amazing day it's been so far. Uh, it's been really enjoyable. The referee, John Busby, he's letting heavy tackles go. It feels like I'm watching a Step 5 game, but it also feels like I'm watching a massive final. It's been really exciting. Uh, the fans have been really good. When Warrington Rylands went 2-1 up, a massive contingent of the Rylands fans ran from their side of the uh, stand all the way to as close to the Binfield fans as possible just to, you know, tell them exactly how they feel about the fact that they've just taken the lead again. It's absolutely fantastic. The atmosphere is brilliant. I'll let you give you an update on the second half when I can. Uh, superb second half to end the FA Vars. 3-2 was the final score and the winners were the Rylands from Roy Warrington. <laughs> Absolutely uh, tremendous game. Binfield were in the ascendancy for the majority of the second half, giving it as much as they could to try and break down. Kane Ferdinand, the standout, holding the ball up for Binfield, trying to find some space. Substitutions were made, more attacking options brought on. Just didn't quite work for Binfield. And then a corner came in for the Rylands, and who else but Elliot Nevitt getting his hat-trick, a hat-trick at Wembley. Can you imagine how great that must feel to have achieved one of those in the national stadium for your local team? And this has got to be one of the biggest days in footballing history for the area of Warrington. Warrington has been predominantly a rugby-based area for so long, and now they've got some footballing achievement or some royalty will be walking around those streets for the remainder of the year or for the rest of some people's lifetimes it was a beautiful scene fans players family friends hugging communicating cheering it's exactly what we've missed from the game for the last year and a half and i am absolutely buzzing and i'm only halfway there Hereford have brought in a decent, decent contingency of fans. I'm still waiting to see what the Hornchurch arrival looks like. But that game kicks off at 4.15, so I'll give you some updates and maybe a little preview beforehand. I apologise that I haven't been able to give you pre-match, half-time and full-time, but it is full-time in the FA Trophy. And the winners are Hornchurch. And I'll be honest with you, that is a shock. The first half... It was all Hereford. They look really good. They look really sharp. 
It was a shot from Tom Owens. It went over the bar, slight deflection, went out for a corner. And then Tom Owen Evans plays the ball, receives it from a short corner. His shot is going wide left, maybe just about on target. He was given the goal in the end, but the ball was headed into the opposite side of the goal by the Hornchurch centre-half. And things just went from bad to worse. Hornchurch were literally left on their haunches for the whole game. They were playing like they'd stood on an urchin. They looked really rusty. They looked poor. And it didn't look like a scout was going to happen. And it looked as though the National League North side were going to go all the way and pick up the win and the trophy. But Mark Stimson must have said something at halftime because they came out with a whole new energy. They came out with a whole new demeanour about them. But nothing really worked in the first 10, 15 minutes. So on the hour big decision was made. Captain Lewis Spence substituted off only to be replaced by Dixon and Ruff. And what a massive difference did both of them do. Dixon added legs that um, Sam couldn't quite provide. I'm sorry, I've forgotten the striker's name. Dixon provided legs that the previous striker didn't and Ruff just got so much of the ball and he allowed Nash to be more free and it was Ruff who had a massive part to play and all of a sudden it's 1-1 and then next thing you know a long ball played up Dixon with the header and it was Nash swinging his left foot at it only for him to get substituted before being given the man of the match award and then, with five minutes left to go, it was 3-1. Thanks to Brown. A brilliant job. He managed to put it under the legs of the Hereford goalkeeper. And it's a real game of two halves. You never, ever thought that Hornchurch had this in them. And now, they're still on the pitch. They're still waving it around to those of you who decided to stay in Wembley. Uh, the Hereford faithful have all gone, unfortunately. But Hornchurch, there's still a few of them left out. They couldn't be more over the moon. Haven't played a competitive game in two months. It looked like it in the first half. But then again, the same can be said for Hereford. They didn't look that bad in the first half. Second half, they barely got a sniff. It was incredible, the scenes. I'm very proud of Hornchurch. I'm very proud of Lewis Spence because I work with his sister, Drew Spence. She's been on this pitch five three times before in the FA Cup final with Chelsea women. And now he has an FA trophy to his name. He'll probably be a little bit disappointed that he got taken off after the hour and he wasn't responsible for the comeback, but he's the captain. He's led his team. He lifted that trophy. And now they make their way back into the tunnel and the dressing room knowing full well that they have done something historic today and it's incredible two fantastic games the Vars and the Trophy if I wasn't if I wasn't at Wembley maybe I would never have given them a sniff 
but it's been an absolute privilege to be in the stadium watching that today. I hope that I can listen to the podcast when this is done out and hear your thoughts, because I imagine you both watched it as well. I was thoroughly impressed with everything I saw. Um, you know, non-league football all the way. Fantastic. What fantastic scenes. You may, you may have just visualised them in your head of the successes of Warrington Rylands and AFC Hornchurch in their respective FA Vars and FA Trophy victories. Massive congratulations to the pair of them. First and foremost, Warrington Rylands, a great game against Binfield. And a hat-trick in a final is very often like one of those like dreams people have or boys have when they're young and think they can, you know, when they get up to playing football on, on the bigger level, they still have that dream. For for Elliot Nevitt to score a hat-trick at Wembley uh, in front of fans for a trophy, that must be dream, a dream come true for him. Massive congratulations to him. And secondly, to Hornchurch. We've actually rooted for them in this competition, me and Tom. We, won't, we, would, not, uh, we would not hide it. We've rooted for them since they got past... Uh, I think it was Maidstone in a fantastic game. And ever since then, we thought they could win this now. They could actually go on and win this. When they pulled off what they pulled off against Notts County, then we thought, okay, now they have a real chance. No disrespect to Hereford or to Binfield. Worthy opponents, fantastic finalists, and have done so well to get as far as they have. But Tom, from your point of view, just how incredible achievements they are for Warrington Islands and for Hornchurch, especially in the, for the way they both managed to win those finals. Yeah, um, both very historic occasions. So I'll start with Warrington Ryland's victory uh, over Binfield. And, you know, the first time in their 115-year history that they won this competition. Yeah, as you mentioned, Ahmed, Elliot Nevert to score a hat-trick at Wembley. And it was a lovely hat-trick as well. A volley a penalty in a header, all sorts of different goals. And, you know, what what a victory for Warrington Rylands. Uh, and what a game to, to get the day going. It, it was thoroughly entertaining, as, as Connor documented. And I've got to give a huge shout-out as well to Liam Ferdinand. It, it was the day uh, of, of the strikers, and I thought that the pair of them um, were, were unplayable uh, that on Saturday uh, Saturday lunchtime. And, you know, what, what a spectacle it was for, for both sets of fans and... You know, for for a club of Warrington Rhymes' size to go and do that, and also for the week they've had as well. You know, they're one of the teams that are newly promoted. Um, obviously, they were waiting nervously for the news to come out from the FA. So, um, sometimes being Warrington Rhymes' fan, and for me now, looking at them from the outside, you think Warrington as a rugby league town, and now the football club is starting to take a center, you know, a bit more. Uh, play a bit more of a role and, and start to look, you know, the opportunity for them to take more of a centre stage, um, you know, in, in Warrington and, you know, what, what an achievement for them to, to go and win, you know, one, the, one of the you know, the biggest non-league competitions um, in the FA Vars. And, you know, Warren's probably have ambitions now. I think we, we've had a taste of it. We want to win more, maybe win the FA, you know, trophy in the future as well. If we can, they can carry on their, their rise and, Oh, it was just a, a, a wonderful afternoon, um, a wonderful game of football. And yeah, what a story. And what a story would have it would have been for either of these. You can't forget Binfield as well. They refused to lie down. And 
you know, it was such a competitive game in the closing stages, you know, even though no one was able to add their name to the score sheet. Um, such a, it was such a fierce contest and both sides enjoyed a lot of chances. And you know, it's one of those ones thinking it could have gone either way um, in the end. And it was, yeah, what, what a watch it was. And, you know, for me, both sides can be really proud of themselves and they can take this going forward. And, you know, they've done, um, they've done their fans proud and, yeah, and what a great feeling it was, you know, seeing see fans back in the stadium. This leads me on nicely to Hornchurch's win because that was some end to the game, wasn't it? Oh, my word. When Nash edged in front of the goal and put that close-range effort in, the noise was incredible. I mean, obviously, for yourself, Ahmed, you were there um, yes. as well, so you really must have felt that. <laughs> and, and then for them to go and seal it, you know, in stoppage times, but... The, you know, the cherry on top of the cake, you know, caught Hereford on the, on the counter-attack. It was, um, you know, Brown who found space down the right flank. He uh, evaded Haynes and uh, eventually shot past Hall to put the result beyond doubt uh, in Hornchurch's favour. And, you know, for them, I talk about Warrington Rylands creating, you know, 115-year history. Um, Hornchurch are in the exact same position. Um, they've never won the competition before. But I'll tell you, has won the competition uh, before. And that is... a uh, Mark, Mark Stimson, that's five times lucky for him. So uh, what an achievement that is. Uh, what a sensational job uh, he's, he's done there at Hornchurch. And uh, I've got to get a shout out as well to, you know, I look at that game, Chris Dixon coming on and, and Charlie Ruff coming on. Look at the difference there, mate. Charlie Ruff coming off the bench to score and Chris Dixon changed the game completely and that real vocal point up front for, for Hornchurch. And I just added something for them. So sensational substitutions they all worked out and you know when you're thinking um Owen Evans uh you know scoring that goal lovely well-worked corner and to, unluckily for Hornchurch it took a deflection I was personally from there could be a long afternoon for Hornchurch it's been a fairy tale run is it still meant for them my word it was sensational in the sunshine as well at the end you couldn't have, you couldn't have written it it was sensational so uh, congratulations to Warrington Rylands and Hornchurch um, commiserations to Bin, uh, Binfield and Hereford who've been on great runs uh, gutting for Hereford you know obviously they, they won the FA Vars a few years back and they were looking to complete the set but Hornchurch were there you know I spoke about little old Sutton with little old Hornchurch having their big day at Wembley and they delivered. And the scenes at the end were unbelievable. I love seeing the interviews as well, the players. Could really tell the raw emotion, what it meant to them. So, do you know what? What a weekend of non-league football. Sunday night, little old Sunday night being promoted. Uh, Warrington Rylands win the FA Vars, the first time in their 115-year history. And Hornchurch, um, remarkable comeback. Um, and the substitutions. It's, I love it when substitutions pay off. And... Um, Oh, a, a fairy tale for Hornchurch's fans, it, and to score in front of the Hornchurch fans as well. Oh. That's just extra bit special um, at Wembley Stadium. Just yeah, beautiful afternoon at football, beautiful weekend at non-league football. You know, one, one of the best I've experienced, to be honest. Yeah, I can't disagree with that. And you mentioned the atmosphere. I stood, I think, um, I was sat in the stands, so I'm looking. I pretty much got the whole atmosphere around me. I could the Hereford fans to my right, the Hornchurch to my left. And like when they, when the second goal went in for Hornchurch, the raw emotion off the bench from Stimson and his substitutes, everyone, they 
they flew onto the touchline in absolute pandemonium. The fact the second goal was probably my favourite goal of the entire day. There were some great goals that Nevitz scored as well as Ferdinand, who I think they, they pretty much ran the weekend in terms of solo performances. But the, the second goal from Hornchurch for me epitomised the quality of football that people just seem to never, that don't often get to see at non-league football, at non-league level, at any level, let alone National League. But when you look at step three or just below, just incredible. There's, there was some great control on the left-hand side. Ball played into the centre, which then was fat, which found Nash in the middle, and he slotted it home. It was a worthy. It's a goal worthy of a Champions League final winner, let alone a non-league finals day winner. It's a stunning bit of build-up play, looped up towards the middle, and finished brilliantly by Nash, who is poetic as well. The man who's been top scorer this season in the competition to score that winner was it just seemed the story was written for him to do it and he did it and the whole church fans go bananas was equally as enthralling as well so for me I was at a loss for words when they scored that second goal equally as such for when they popped the third one in Brown just running and running and running it seemed he could never be caught and when he did get there the euphoria at the end I, I could it's indescribable how incredible it is. As I'm sure captured by Connor in his post-match comments, it's stunning, stunning way to win a trophy like that. And well, here's the weekend for the pub teams, really. So, so they've had, they have their day at last. And just me, they deserve this, all of them. Sutton, Hornchurch and Warrington. They are a rugby league town, as Tom said, and their achievement is cannot be overlooked either. For years, I think they've only ever seen one kind of ball, and it's the oval one that they play and roll around their feet a lot. But it is an enjoyable sport. I can see why they love it, but they've now got something else to be proud of, and it's a great achievement for, for Warrington Rylands as well and David McNabb's team as well. They've, they've earned that title. They've earned that trophy. They did it the hard way, and Elliot Nevitt will be a day that goes down in football history in this country but scoring a hat-trick in a final it's very rare for players to score Wembley hat-tricks but when you do it you go down in history and his name will be in the in the in the in the records of Wembley Stadium for many years to come as long as you're a Warrington Rylance fan you can hang on to that for a long long time so massive massive congratulations to all of those so for all of those fantastic achievements to Sutton, to Warrington and to Hornchurch, this weekend has been a weekend for the pub teams. But there, for some, pub team no more. For others, oh, we hope that it's the beginning of something special. And obviously, commiserations to Hereford and Binfield. But Hereford is, just, is about starting next season now, preparing to try and make a sustained challenge in the National League North. And for... And for and over for what Binfield, it's a chase to get out of their division, and hopefully they can use this as a momentum and a period of building to restart their hopes of getting up the leagues as soon as possible. Uh, we flipped our show this week, as you can clearly see. We've done the results first because of the sheer drama and incredible incredible moments that have taken place this week. So now we go on to uh, a little bit of news. There isn't much to cover in terms of news this week. Just a couple of topics uh, that have caught my attention. It's it's quite astounding, this story. While we've seen successes for clubs this week lifting trophies, there, there's a club that have played two semi-finals this week. 
Sheffield Town were play, have played both semi-finals in the Midlands League Cup and Shropshire Senior Cup. They kicked their, those matches kicked off at three o'clock and six o'clock on the same day. And they won both of them. They won the first one against Sea Hunters by two goals to nil in the Midlands, West Midlands League Cup. Before beating all Scott Heath 3-0 in the Shropshire Senior Cup at six o'clock. We've seen stories of clubs that have played two games in one day before a non-league level. But to win two semi-finals and get to the finals of your respective competitions, Tom, that is absolutely incredible. Big congratulations to Schiffler. Well done to them. Oh, that's, uh, that's some afternoon for them for <laughs> winning two finals. Uh, so winning two semi-finals, that is uh, ridiculous. Um, <laughs> yeah, my my heart goes out to them. They must have been knackered by the end of, <laughs> at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, I hope that a, a lovely rest on Saturday night. Uh, a well earned, you know, to, to go and win three uh, 0 in in the game after as well. Um, that that is incredible. So that's a heck of an effort. Um, congratulations to uh, Shiffnell Town, um, and I wish them luck uh, in the the finals. Um, so yeah, um, I, I'm I'm just a bit in shock that like they've managed to do that. And people moan at you know sometimes what footballers say say they're tired. Imagine trying to play um, yeah two two big same finals in one day. Um, that, that's huge credit to them. They've done the club proud. I, I really hope they go on and win those finals. I don't want to be biased, but I, for me to do that in one afternoon, they get my vote. Um, they get my support to to go on and win both of those finals. Well, tonight is this is Tuesday. Tonight they get to play in one of them. Uh, the, the the second match I told you about, which was the Shropshire Cup, they successfully won three nil against uh, Old Scott Heath. That match gave them uh, the opportunity to play against Whitchurch Allports. And that match is tonight uh, at Telford's, at AFC Telford's ground. So Telford hosting the final. And they are kicking off in about, well, a few minutes from now, actually. So all the best to them tonight in that fantastic, uh, uh, it's a fantastic night for them. And hopefully it's the beginning of a double victory in two cup competitions this week. And I'm sure they'll, they will hopefully pass on our congratulations to everyone involved in the club for a momentous success. How they did it, I, I don't know. But, you know, there's, that make, they, they have no excuse now. If they can win two semi-finals in one day, I don't know what you can say. That's just a great achievement. Uh, another story that's popped up, obviously, we talked last week about the teams that have been given promotions and opportunities to step up uh, a level for next season. It's a massive list and we couldn't sit here for an hour and, 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 and so to tell you who and who's got promotions and who's been relegated uh, or who's been given lateral movements across divisions. But a whole host of clubs have, uh, have started making a few appeals to the FA to ask them to reconsider where they're being forced to play next season. So a few examples, as too many. Ardley United as one. Uh, we have, so I have a skewer through uh, Oli Pellis' thing to find these. There's also Newport Pagnell Town, Potter United, Bigglesbridge United, Ipswich Wanderers. Um, where else have we got? There's a few others. There's a, there's a lot of other clubs, actually. So many. I, I can't tell you, officer. I can't tell you so many. Um, 
Yeah, to be honest, Tom, it's a tricky task to sort to, to all these appeals. But what are your thoughts on these uh, club appeals in terms of movements across leagues that they are not pleased about? Would you be of the of the of the of the group of people that feel that it's better to stay where they are, be closer to a league that they feel is more competitive to another one? Yeah, I, I'm in support of those uh, clubs uh, that are appealing. I think there's a few that feel it's just been mismanaged a bit. And I think location-wise as well, there's a few complaints about they'd rather, again, be in different leagues so they could it involves a, a, a bit less travel. So obviously we know that, that cost a, a lot for the club. So I, I completely understand uh, why certain clubs, you mentioned uh, Wallingford and Amersham uh, are doing this. And, you know, yeah, uh, Easington United Sports, Ardley United. Um, so there's, a, as you mentioned, Ahmed, there's a lot of lot of clubs, um, you know, that have been involved in, in the changes. Um, and yeah, I, I, I feel that it's 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 the right thing to do to try and get themselves in in the best league possible instead of just accepting it. Think no, we we want we want the best for this club and we're not happy with the league we put in. So yeah, we we want change. We want to be in the league that's going to benefit uh, our club um, the best. So I wish them luck. Um, hopefully they'll they'll get the best for their club and what they want and what they feel. Uh, would be best to, to take them forwards, but it's certainly a hard job um, allocating uh, teams in, into leagues. And obviously, there's been some teams that have been devastated that they've missed out on promotion. And people are sometimes unhappy that they feel like it's it's on more what facilities you got. But obviously, that is an important factor to the FA. So there's been lots of debates about you know sort of the standard league and what what you know what leagues clubs want to to play in and, and location-wise and the facilities. So there's a lot to take in. Um, there was, as I mentioned, there was so many uh, movements. It was a, uh, it was hectic to to read. To be honest, um, the amount of changes that goes on in the lower leagues, clubs from high clubs don't see this sort of stuff. Uh, like how many leagues uh, are in the English football pyramid and how it needs to be sorted out. And yeah, hopefully um, it, it can be all sorted out and everyone's happy going into new season going going forwards because. Obviously, you know, welcoming back fans, the clubs want to be prepared in the best way possible. Absolutely, and uh, I'm I'm excited for an opportunity because next to go to the first non-league game within my remit because I've been watching football. I've been doing me and Tom collectively have done a lot of games behind closed doors this season and have talked to into empty atmospheres, but we. Over the summer, we're going to try and go to pre-season events or matches that clubs are hosting and catch a, a thought or two about what the what the fans think. There's a way of improving, you know, your contributions to our shows, and we hope we also hope to give you an opportunity to listen to us a lot more. So we're going to try and watch as many long league games outside of national league during the summer as possible. That's what I'm going to try and do in between many other responsibilities I have in this summer. It's a crazy summer with so much going on. But uh, we hope that uh, all those clubs who are involved in the appeals are successful and are able to return to where they believe they can, where they believe they can compete best. And, also, we can see more next season of the competitive football that is that is played at lower levels below the top three steps in non-league. So, all the best to everyone there. 
So we've pretty much covered everything this week. We haven't got much else to talk about. We wish we could, but so so much threadbare news this week. It's dominated by everything that's happened on the pitch this weekend. And for what it's worth, it's good that that's the case because history has been made. The Hall Church, a wonderful success in the FA Trophy. Great win for them over Hereford. A wonderful achievement for Warriors and Rylands against Binfield. But I think it's safe to say our Star of the Week award and Stars of the Week goes to Sutton United because they've been the best team out of 20, 21 others this season. On top of which, they've just won the National League above six established ex-EFL clubs. To achieve that is the, is incredible. And on a threadbare budget, in a pandemic, in a challenging season, on where it's on all the time, no respite, no time to rest, barely any, in fact, without even having a moment to breathe in, in let alone think about the next game, to do what they've done and achieve it like this, there is beggar's belief. And honestly, Tom, like we've said it already today, they've, the way they've created history in a season such as this, they have earned the right to be called champions and they'll go down in, fo- in football folklore for it. So star of the week, Sutton United. Stars of the week. For me, Ahmed, they are they're immortal in, in, in Sutton. They they have taken this club to a place it's never been before and they've been a joy to watch all season. It's one of the, you know, the club is, is one of the best clubs you could go to. It's just such a family-filled club. When you go to Sutton, it just gets you, doesn't it? And it's just such, it feels so homely when, when you, whenever you go to Gam Green Lane and the, the staff, you know, staff there are, are, are so nice and, you know, everyone works so hard and everyone deserves this. this the club's been through some tough times like, like many football clubs have, but this club uh, has, you know, gone from the seventh tier of football to the fourth tier of football in 10 years now. For a club of Sutton size to do that, that is just remarkable. And huge credit needs to go to Paul Doswell, uh, as well as obviously Matt Gray's amazing work over the last two years. He laid some fantastic foundations down um, over 11 years. He, he was at Sutton United. And what a roller coaster ride it's been. It's had some highs and lows uh, for the U's, but come through it in the end and they managed to reach the ultimate goal um, to take Sutton to a place they've never been before and take their place in the, the 92 in the Football League Pyramid. Sensational. Sutton United are not the 92 are not the 92 anymore. They are in the 92. It's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Tom, thank you very much. I really appreciate your contributions this week and your recount of a wonderful, wonderful weekend of National League football, especially at Gander Green Lane. And bring on the playoffs, I say. Ahmed, it's just uh, the season, it's coming to a close, but it feels like it's only just starting up again with the playoffs around the corner. So I can't wait for all that to happen. Obviously, still got, still got to be decided who's going to take part. We're going to get some. Real dramatic moments. I think some. I've got feeling there's going to be some late goals at the weekend. Teams dropping in and out of, of the sixth and seventh spot. So all to play for, in my opinion. And then we get stuck into the playoffs themselves. Plenty more to come. I'm not lying to uh, about the playoffs. Um, and for me, it's going to be one of the most competitive nationally playoffs I think we've ever seen. Incredible. And 
we're excited for it as always so Tom Mitchell thanks a lot mate really appreciate your contributions this week and we'll do it well, again one more time next week but yes that's it from myself as well we've had a wonderful period of time talking about all the things non-league this week and honourable mentions just before we go as always we mentioned Simon but yes honourable mentions again Warrington Binfield uh, Hereford and Horchesh all getting to the FA Trophy and Vars Finals and Special congratulations to the two winners in uh, Warrington and Hornchurch. Also to Sheffield Town, we wish them all the best of luck to Elliot Neville, who scored a great hat-trick, two goals for Ferdinand as well in that final. So wonderful successes, and we pay tribute to all of them this week. And But once again, Sutton United. Oh, wonderful Sutton United. 123 years they've existed as a football club. The highest achievement they've had as a club in their history was to have Arsenal at their ground and win uh, and put, have the chance of playing against them in, on an equal footing in the FA Cup fourth round. They've beaten Leeds United in the round before, which has already gone down in their club folklore. But this weekend, I think, has trumped the Arsenal game and it's trumped their wonderful FA Cup runs of years gone by. The days of McKinnon and Hanlon and uh, of Collins gone years gone by. The years when Char- Jack Charlton was parading around that pitch with his eccentric Leeds team. The year of when they went on to get to the get to, get to the playoffs in 2018, just falling short. All of those moments have have all come down to just this one wonderful afternoon. And one thing's for sure, they won't forget it in a hurry. None of the fans will. We certainly won't because we were there to witness it. And to them, massive, massive congratulations on achieving a wonderful, wonderful success as champions of the National League. It won't, the, the league won't be the same without them next season. But guess what? We still will cover the National League in its entirety and beyond next season, even without Sutton United. But one thing's guaranteed and it is definitely guaranteed. It's still an exciting league, and we promise we, you can, if you stick with us, you will f- see every step of the way how exciting it can be. So until next week, we have uh, a great show for you next week, our end-of-season review. We give out, well, they don't necessarily matter to these clubs, but we give our end-of-season awards. We give, uh, we give our favourite moments of the season. We also talk about what next season could offer and look ahead to the playoffs as well, uh, especially after what is hopefully going to be a dramatic final day in the playoff race for the Vanarama National League. Uh, until then, everybody, we thank you for joining us. If you do want to keep up with all things Not The 92, please look for us on our socials one more time at Not The 92 at NT92Pod on Twitter and at NT92Pod on Instagram. And then it's podcast at not92.com if you want to know more or ask us about anything regarding our show or even send us questions or stories about the week that we may have missed. Uh, but beyond that, we appreciate you sticking with us for the time being this up this evening. Uh, and one more time, we'll leave you with how we started our show. Have a good old listen, and we'll see you very soon. Raise,